The following message is from the audio ministry of Coastal Community Church. We trust you'll find it helpful and encouraging. Now, here's Pastor Chris Rollins. Good morning. Good morning. Welcome. I am Pastor Chris. Great to have you with us today. If you're here in person, if you're watching online, uh, thanks for tuning in. We're glad you're here. Man, what a great way to begin this uh, time of worship today, to w- witness someone, uh, take that next step in their faith, um, you know, to, to be baptized, to, to be baptized into Jesus Christ. And she was coming out. I said, Carrie, you doing okay? And she goes, I'm just so happy. And um, so we are too. Can't be more excited for her. And uh, if that is your next step, man, let us know about that on the back of your um, your connect card today. So let's just dive right in. Let's get started. Listen, there are about 7,000 promises of God in the Bible. Promises directed toward uh, success, promises for satisfaction, for fulfillment, for blessing. Over 7,000 promises of God to you. But with every promise, there is a premise. There is a condition. Now, the number one thing that God has promises about are connected to generosity. Now, when I say generosity today, I am not just talking about money. I'm talking about being generous with your life, you know, your time, your, your energy, your praise, your encouragement, uh, your, your, your talents. I'm being generous with every area of your life. It's about being an unselfish person, about uh, being a giver. Uh, There are more promises connected to that than to anything else in the Bible. So why? Why is God so interested in us learning to be generous? Well, the answer is simple. It's because generosity is love in action. That's not a blank this morning. It's not on your outline or the screen, but you might want to write that down. Generosity is love in action because you can give without loving, but you cannot love without giving. Now think about some of the key words that might be in the Bible. Uh, The word believe, that's pretty important, right? Uh, The word believe is used 272 times in the Bible. Uh, Pray, that's a pretty important word. Uh, It is used 371 times in the Bible, 371. The word love, obviously that's a big word, important word in the Bible. It's used 714 times. But the word give, it's used 2,152 times. Why? Because our God is a giver. He's a giver. And everything you and I have in our lives, it is a gift from God. The very breath that you are breathing right now, the next breath you will take, it's a gift. And so God wants us to learn to be like Him. So, Since we are going to give an historic offering today, I thought before we do that, I'd just give you about a dozen of those major promises in the Bible about generosity. Now, you're going to have to write fast. I'm going to go pretty quickly. But this is what happens every time you and I are generous. Number one, generosity honors God. It honors God. It's a giving is an act of worship, and it's a recognition that everything you have comes from Him. 2 Corinthians 9.13 says, As a result of your ministry, they will give glory to God. For your generosity to them and to all believers will prove that you are obedient to the good news of Christ. That's what we're going to get to do in just a few minutes together. We're going to give glory to God through 
our generosity. Number two, generosity draws me closer to God. Why? Well, because whatever I invest in, that's what I'm interested in. If I invest my time in something, if I invest my energy, my money in something, whether it's uh, golf, uh, your work, your business, uh, working out, your health, whatever you invest your time and your money in, that shows what's important to you. And so when I invest in God and His kingdom, not only does it honor God, but it draws me closer to Him. Because you see, wherever my money and time go, that's what attracts me. And the Bible says this in Proverbs 14, 23. The purpose of tithing is to teach you to always put God first in your lives. You see, we give the first part of our income, right? The first 10% on the first day of the week. And, and when we do that, what are we saying? We're saying, God, you're really number one. You know, everything I have, it came from you. And that, that draws us closer to him. Number three, generosity makes me more like Jesus. You know, the most generous person who ever lived was Jesus. He gave, he sacrificed his own life. The Bible says that we have been saved because of the generosity of Jesus. And so every time you give your time, your money, your energy, anything, you become just a little bit more like Jesus. Proverbs 21.6 says, Some people are always greedy for more, but the godly, they love to give. You see, the more godly you become, the more generous you become. It also works in reverse. The more generous you are, the more godly you become. In fact, do me a favor. Pretend for a moment uh, that you're, you're taking your kids to McDonald's and uh, you're to buy them some french fries, right? And so, you know, you, you, you drive through, the, you go through the drive-thru, you place the order, you know, you, you pick up the fries, and you, and you pass them back to your kids who are in the back seat, and, you know, maybe they're sitting in their, in their car seats, and as you're driving home, man, the, the wafting smell of the fries just kind of, you know, kind of smacks you in the front seat, and man, they, they smell so good. So you, while you're driving, you just reach back, right, to grab one of their french fries, now, your precious little loved ones that you love so dearly and brought into this world, they say, Mom, Dad, you can't have any because these are what? Mine. These are my fries. Pretty quickly, three thoughts go through your head. Thought number one, you realize that your child has forgotten that you are the source of all fries. Right? They would have no french fries if it weren't for you. I mean, you drove them there, you paid for them, you handed them to them. They would have no fries in their lives whatsoever if it weren't for you. Thought number two, you could take all the fries away from them if you wanted to. You could take the fries away and say, no more fries until supper. Or what about this? No more fries until next year. Those fries that are in your mouth right now, those are the last fries you're ever going to eat for the foreseeable future. You could take them away instantly. Or on the other hand, you could actually go back to the store, go back to McDonald's and buy them a truckload of fries if you wanted to because you are totally in charge. They are not. Thought number three. You realize that in that moment, you really didn't need their fries. You know, 
If, if you wanted fries, you could have bought them for yourself. You've got plenty of money. You could easily get your own, right? You just wanted your children not to be selfish little brats, right? You wanted them to learn how to share in that moment, right? Well, guess what? Those are the same three reasons that God wants you to learn to be generous. Think about it. God doesn't need your money. It all belongs to him anyway. He just loaned it to you while you're alive. You get to use it now, but it's all his ultimately. In fact, he's the source of all fries, right? Without God, you would have nothing, not a zip. He could take it away from you instantly and... He could give you 10 times that amount instantly. He just wants you to learn to be unselfish. Why? Because our God is a fry giver. He's generous. And it makes us like Christ. Number four, generosity is the cure for materialism. Man, materialism is running rampant in our world today, right? It's all about getting and taking and acquiring, and I've got to have more and more and more. The only antidote to that is giving. But every time you give, you, you break the grip of materialism in your life. Jesus said it like this in Matthew 6, 24. You cannot serve both God and money. Circle the word there, cannot. Notice he didn't say you, you should not serve God and money. He said you can't. It's impossible. In other words, what he's saying is you actually can't have two number ones in your life, two gods in your life. You've got to decide ultimately what is your life all about, what is most important to you, what's your priority. Is it money, being rich, acquiring things, or is it serving God? Because you can't do both, he says. 1 Timothy 6, 17-19 says this, Command those who are rich... Now, let me stop there just for a second. By the way, everyone in this room, everybody who is listening, I hate to tell you this, you're rich. Now, you might be unemployed today, but you're rich. The poorest in America are richer than most of the rest of the world. Most of the rest of the world would love to have your problems. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain. Have you figured that out? But to put their hope in God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Circle that word, enjoyment. Did you know that, that God created everything for your enjoyment? That he wants you to enjoy life, not just to endure it? That's the kind of generous God that we have. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be what? Generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age, so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. Number five, generosity demonstrates my faith. It demonstrates my faith. Every time you give, that's what happens, because it shows that you're trusting in the promises of God. It shows that you really do believe that God is going to take care of you if you obey him. In fact, the verse that I read earlier this morning, Philemon 1.6, let me, let me read it again. It says this, and I am praying that you will put into action 
The generosity that comes from your faith. Again, generosity is, it is a practical demonstration of your faith. As you understand and experience all the good things we have in Christ. Wow, what a powerful, powerful verse. He is saying there that the more you truly understand everything you really have in Jesus, that the easier it's going to be for you to be generous. Because the truth is, if you've got a problem with generosity, if you've got a problem with, with giving, you know, if you, you constantly worry about holding on to what you think is yours, then you really don't understand all that God has done for you in Christ. Number six, generosity reveals my heart. In other words, it shows what kind of heart you have. Now, do I really have a selfish, stingy heart, or do I have an unselfish, generous heart? Because you're giving. Generosity in every area of your life shows what's inside of you. It shows what your heart is really like. In fact, that's exactly what Jesus said. Matthew 6, 21, wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. In other words, wherever you put your money, your time, your energy, that's where your heart is. It reveals your heart. And the Bible teaches that God actually uses money to test what's inside of you, to reveal your heart, so that he can see if he can trust you with more. You see, you might not realize this, but the rewards and responsibilities that you are going to experience in a small part here on this earth, on this side of eternity, and on that side of eternity, in heaven, are based on how you manage your money, your things, your stuff here. In fact, look at this next verse, Luke 16, 11. Jesus said, and if you are untrustworthy about worldly wealth. In other words, if you don't manage your money well, if you're not generous with your, with your money, with your stuff, he says, who will trust you with the true riches of heaven? And the answer is nobody. I mean, he's saying God, God will not. Your, your responsibility and rewards in heaven are, are built on how you handle what God gives you now. So let me ask you, what have you done with what you were given? Are you generous? Number seven, generosity brings God's blessing. You know, I could give you a hundred verses on this. If you want God's blessing on your life, you got to be open-handed with what he gives you. And the more you allow God to pass through your life, the more you give away your time, your talent, your money, your treasure, all that, the more God will give back to you in return. Now, not for you to selfishly hold on to. That's where we get this wrong. No, God brings, giving gives, brings God's blessing into your life so that God can keep blessing you with more so that you can keep giving. Look at these verses, Proverbs 22.9. The generous will themselves be blessed, for they share their food with the poor. The generous will be blessed. You either believe that or you don't. Deuteronomy 15.10, give generously to the poor, not grudgingly, for the Lord your God will bless you in everything you do. Wow. And you want, you want God to bless 
Everything you put your hand to? The answer is right there. Generosity. Malachi 3.10. Bring the whole tithe. What's that? That's 10% into the storehouse. What's the storehouse? It's, it's the temple. It's where you worship. It's the church in the New Testament. That there may be food in my house. Test me. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much what? Blessing. That there will not be enough room to store it. I mean, here in the Scriptures, God says, I dare you to trust me. This is the only place in the Bible where God says that. This is the double dog dare challenge verse of the Bible. I dare you. Number eight. Generosity increases my happiness. Generosity increases my happiness. Jesus said it like this, Acts 20, 35. It's more blessed to give than to receive. It's more blessed. Now, I will admit to you that when, you know, I was a child at Christmas, it was all about me. It was. It was not, what I, it was not about what I bought anybody else. It was all about me, what I got. And my joy, my happiness as a child came from the presents I got to open on Christmas. You know, not, what, not the things that I gave away. But that was a long time ago. And I was young and immature and self-centered. But today I'm a dad. And my joy, my blessing, my happiness comes from watching my children unwrap the gifts that I've given to them. Why? Because I grew up. And I stopped being self-centered. And it stopped being about me. That's, that's called maturity. Now, unfortunately, some people never grow up. And it's still all about them. And they've not really learned what Jesus talked about here the blessing and the joy of generosity. Number nine, generosity expands my influence. Generosity expands my influence. The more generous you become, the more influential you will become. Influence comes not from the post you post on Instagram. It comes, it doesn't come from what you get in life. It comes from what you give away. Proverbs 11.24, the world of the generous gets larger and larger. The world of the stingy will get smaller and smaller. Psalm 112.9, they share freely and give generously to all those in need. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. Listen, you want to leave a legacy? Man, that's one of the things we've been talking about in this series, right? Daring Faith, as we talk about the future. You want to be an influencer. You want to leave a legacy for future generations. Serve your community. Give. Help the poor. Be generous. He says, they will have influence and honor. I found that to be true in my own life. The more generous I am, the more influence I have. Number 10. Generosity multiplies my money. Generosity actually multiplies your money. God has worked out the universe in such a way that when I give God the first 10% of my income, that's called tithing, that he makes somehow, some way, the 90% go farther than if I had the whole 100% on my own. 
Proverbs 11.25 says, a generous person will prosper. You want to prosper? There it is. A generous man, a generous woman will prosper. This is God talking. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. 2 Corinthians 9, 11a. Yes, you will be enriched. Circle that word, enriched. It means you're going to have more than you have right now. You will be enriched in every way so that you can spend it all on yourself. It doesn't say that, does it? You will be enriched in every way so that you can always be what? Generous. I mean, basically, you know what God is doing here all throughout Scripture in these verses? He says, hey, let's play a little game. Let's play a game. You give to me, I'll give to you, you give to others, I'll give to you, and we'll see who wins. Listen, you're never going to outgive God. You're never going to win the generosity game. I can tell you that. Generosity multiplies your money. Number 11, generosity brings God's protection. You know, a lot of people uh, don't know this one, but it actually brings God's protection on your family, your business, your life. Psalm 112, 5 and 6. All goes well for the generous man who conducts his business fairly. Some man, such a man will not be overthrown by evil circumstances. Notice it doesn't say you're not going to have evil circumstances. It just says you're not going to be overthrown by them. I mean, everybody has tough times. Everybody has, goes through problems. But when you're generous, God says, I'll make sure that you're not blown away by it. God's constant care of him will make a deep impression on all who will see it. In other words, people are going to take notice. They're going to say, man, look at that guy. Look at that gal. You know, they are blessed even in tough times. God's blessing, you know, him or her, even when things are going wrong, you know, all around them. Because generosity brings God's protection. And then finally, I want to close with this one. Generosity will be rewarded in heaven. It will be rewarded in heaven. Back to 1 Timothy 6, 18 and 19, says this, Tell them to use their money to do good. Circle the word use there in that, in that translation, use. Money is to be used. You know, it's a tool. In other words, it's not good or bad, it's neutral. You know, you can use it to do good or you can use it for bad. There is, in and of itself, there, there's nothing evil about money. Well, people say, well, Pastor Chris, doesn't the Bible say money is the root of all evil? No, it doesn't. It doesn't say that. It says the love of money is the root of all evil. So, use your money to do good. They should be rich in good works and generous to those in need, always being ready to share with others. By doing this, they will be storing up their treasure as a good foundation for the future so they may experience true life. Do you know like four times in the Bible Jesus says that we're to do that, that we're to store up treasure in heaven? So how do you do that? Let me tell you. You do it by investing in people who are going to be there. That's how you do it. By investing in what we're doing in daring faith. In fact, Jesus, this is Jesus talking. He said this in Luke 16, 9. Here's the lesson. Here's the lesson. Use your worldly resources to, listen to this, benefit others and make friends. Then, when your possessions are gone, and like, we're all in agreement here, right, that one day, they're all going to be gone, okay? Everything you have now that's so important, it's going to somebody else eventually. 
In fact, eventually they're coming to clean up your stuff, and they're going to throw a lot of it away, believe it or not. One day, when, when your possessions are gone, they will welcome you to an eternal home. Now, what did Jesus mean when he said to use my worldly resources to benefit others and make friends? Let me tell you what he's not saying. He's not saying that, you know, you go out and you buy a bunch of friends with your money. That's not it. You've missed the whole point. What he's saying is this. Take some of your money, the money that God has given you, and use it to build bridges of friendship so that you can bring people to Jesus who are then going to get saved, and they're going to go to heaven one day with you. And then, guess what? When you get to heaven, there are going to be people in heaven because of you, and they're going to come up and greet you one day, and they're going to say, hey, welcome. Guess what? In in part, I am here because of you. Thank you for all that you did. You gave, and you, you brought me to Jesus. I am in heaven. I am now your forever friend. So let me ask you, is anybody going to be in heaven because of the way you use your money, because of the way you you use your time, your resources? Are you going to have any friends who are going to come up to you one day and say, thank you, I am here, in part because of you. Because of your generosity, you gave at that vacation Bible school. You sacrificed for daring faith. You built that church. You helped with Operation Christmas Child. You served at Saturday Serve. You gave of your your money, your time, your generosity. It's because of that that I came to know Jesus. I am here because of you. I'm your forever friend. That is what it means to be rewarded in heaven. And let me tell you, those rewards you're going to have forever Everything you're running around scrambling for for yourself here on this earth, guess what? You're going to lose it all. But everything, everything you invest in others and in God's kingdom and in God's work and in the church, you are going to gain again and again. It's going to gain interest like you don't believe forever in heaven. So, where do you want then the greatest investment of your wealth, your resources, your time, and your money? Here, where you get to use it maybe 70, 80, 90 years, or in heaven, where you get to enjoy it for trillions and trillions of years on top of trillions and trillions of years for all eternity. It's a no-brainer. Your generosity is going to be rewarded in heaven. Those are just some. Some of the benefits of being generous. I could have talked for hours on this. So, let's put all that into practice today. Let your giving, your generosity, be a demonstration of your faith. Let's give generously. 23 years ago, our church stepped out in faith. In fact, that was the name of our very first giving campaign. Seven years into the history of our church, we stepped out in faith and sacrificially gave. Sacrificially 
generously gave for that very first giving campaign. And as a result of that, we purchased some land that enabled us then to buy the property and the facility that we worship in today. Six years ago, our church sacrificed financially again, gave generously. We went all in. And you and I are here today worshiping in the facility because of their generosity, because of their giving. We're enjoying the fruit of their sacrifices today. Because those people trusted God. Because they gave. Because they sacrificed. Because they went all in. Whatever you call it. We're here today. Now it's your turn. Now it's our turn. We get to be the next pioneers. We get to be the next adventurers who dare to believe. To leave a legacy. To lay a foundation for the next generation. For future generations to come. So here's what's going to happen. I'm going to pray. And after I pray, we're going to stand and worship. And we're going to worship today through, through song, but we're also going to worship through giving. This is actually going to be the response time today of our worship experience. In other words, after I pray, we're going to stand and sing, and when you feel ready, when you feel prepared, we do invite you today to participate in the Lord's Supper, to take the Lord's Supper. And just like every Sunday, there are tables all around the room. You don't have to be a member of Coastal to participate, just a believer, just a, a forgiven sinner. And so go and take the Lord's Supper. But at some point during this worship experience, we're going to invite everyone who calls Coastal their home to come to the the four uh, large containers, the blue containers that are lit up here on the stage, and to turn in your uh, commitment card. To turn in your commitment card. And um, if you have lost it or don't know where it's at, uh, there is one today inside your bulletin. Um, and you're also going to turn in your offering. Uh, we're not going to be passing blue offering buckets. And I know if you're a guest with us today, I promise you we never regularly do this. In 30 years of a church, this is now the third time in the history of our church that we have done this. But it's just one of those days in the life of our church where it's just, you know, we've been growing in our faith. And we're excited today to give. And we kind of stand up before one another, not singling out anyone, but everyone. And just giving in, in faith and, and sacrifice and in generosity. So again, take communion, come, turn in your commitment card, turn in your actual offering. Some of you have uh, change jars you brought with you. You can actually uh, put them in the containers this morning. If it's very large and you want to do that with your kids, you can do it in the child check-in area. Um, as you're turning in your commitment card, one little thing that I would like to ask is that for some of you, we can't really read your signatures, and so uh, make sure you also print your name there so that that gets counted toward your Daring Faith commitment. Now, again, if you're a guest with us today, Listen, we do not usually do this, and we're not asking you necessarily to feel like you have to come forward and turn in your offering. If you feel uncomfortable doing that, please do not do that. In fact, we're also asking people, all of our church, to turn in your Connect card as well in 
uh, these uh, four containers. So everyone together, we're all at some point going to at least coming up and turning in your Connect card. But if you're a guest with us today, that might even feel uncomfortable for you. And so we're asking uh, if you'd like to, you simply can turn in your Connect card today at the blue uh, welcome and guest tent after the service, in between the two buildings, that bright blue tent, it's called our welcome and guest tent, and there are people there who would love to just uh, welcome you today, and uh, we actually have a gift for you today, and uh, so you can uh, hand them your Connect card and pick up the gift uh, from our church. It's just our way uh, to thank you. So this is going to be one of those moments in the life of our church where um, it's just pretty special. Next Sunday, we are going to announce what God did through all of you. So do me a favor, bow your heads and pray with me. Dear Heavenly Father, we are aware that in many ways at this moment we are standing on holy ground. You have brought us this far for this time and this purpose. And we sense that you're about to do something absolutely incredible in us and through us. We stand in awe of you. Thank you. Thank you for the love and the faith and the flexibility and the vision and the sacrifices that I have seen in the lives of these people over the years. Thank you for allowing me the sacred privilege of being their pastor. I am not worthy for such a responsibility. And so I humble myself before you and before these people. And I ask you for your wisdom, protection, and direction. May today, when we bring our offerings and when we make our giving commitments, May it be such a miraculous day that this entire community will take notice that you are on your throne and your hand is upon this church and that you are a great, great God. Father, bring honor and glory to yourself. Let it be such a day of sacrifice and faith and generosity that we will not only remember it but also our children will remember it and in one day one day we will be greeted in heaven because of it in Jesus name I pray amen amen you've been listening to a message from Pastor Chris Rollins of Coastal Community Church For more information about Coastal or to explore what your next step of faith might look like, check us out online at coastalcommunitychurch.org. From Pastor Chris and the family at Coastal Community Church, thanks for listening.